Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Multiversity Manga Club. I'm your host, Emily, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Walter and Zach. What's up, guys? Not too much. Yeah. Same old, same old. Are you sure there's not some cool game that just came out this Friday that we're all obsessed with and playing constantly? <laughs> or is that just me? Um, I assume you mean Dragon Ball Fighters. E- now that you mention it, <laughs> I do yes. try to like fit in like a few minutes every possible moment I can, like right before I leave for work on my lunch break. You know, oh um, my gosh, when I come home to walk the dog on lunch. Yeah, maybe. It, maybe a little obsessed. It is very, very good. It's it's very good. Um, do either of you have a history with Dragon Ball video games? I played a lot of uh, the very first Budokai. Okay. Um, back before, like, when they were using, like, the weird 3D models that weren't... Uh, it wasn't, like, I think it was 2 when they started, like, doing, like, the early cell shading, but this was before that, so they just looked weird, kind of. Like, mm-hmm. they were trying to get this... They were trying to get Toriyama's style, but instead, like, in the form of a 3D model. I played a lot of that one, but I played a bit of Budokai 2, but that was about it. So I think... I think this is the first uh, Dragon Ball video game I've played since then. Okay. Yeah, I've only ever played Budokai, one of the Budokai games. I'm not sure which one. Walter has it. The first one. Yeah, I played it. We played it like two years ago, and we managed to unlock all the characters in like three nights. Yeah, because that (laughs) one you would unlock characters uh, through the world tournament, and Yanchao was busted in that because like you could always get ring outs with the Wolf Fang Fist. Oh boy, it's one of the only times Yamcha was extremely useful. However, <laughs> he's really he's, good in this too. He's pretty fun to play in uh, fighters. I haven't played it as much as Walter, but uh, I, I haven't played with Yamcha much either. Um, I was a huge fan of Budokai Three. I can't tell you how many hours I played Budokai Three. Um, yeah, I hear, I've I've heard that Three was the best of that franchise. Well, I I say that because Fighters is the first game since Three that I have just wholeheartedly endorsed. Um, I've, I've dabbled here and there. I played some of the Tenkaichi games, okay. um, some of mm. Xenoverse, uh, the Xenoverse games. And those were, you know, more um, like open, right. three-dimensional yeah. arena-based things. Th- yeah, those had like the like kind of over-the-shoulder view, right? Right, yeah. which I didn't, I didn't care for, but for a long time, that was just kind of the state of Dragon Ball games. That's just yeah. what people wanted. So I'm just so happy to have a return to the 2D, yeah. like, plain style fighter. Yeah, and I think we have to say that this is, like, this game looks incredible. It's one of the best-looking games I've ever seen. It yeah. just really gets his style. I mean, it's... It, it's going to look more like the anime, but it looks better than almost anything you'll see, you yeah. saw in the show. Yeah, cell, cell shading has come a long way. Yeah. I think. Well, and just even like the quality of the animation, like the way that the characters yeah, yeah, move absolutely. feels so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it feel good even when you're getting destroyed. <laughs> Which is often, yeah. although I was really surprised with how deceptively simple the control scheme is. Um, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm not much like experienced with um, like 
quote-unquote real fighting games, you know, uh, more like Street Fighter style where you block by pressing back and all that. You know, the fighters that I played when I was younger were like Smash Brothers and a little bit of Soul Calibur, which is like closer, but even that, right. you know, it, it, it's not as uh, it's not quite the same as the traditional 2D fighter layout. And so whenever I've like picked up like uh, Street Fighter or Skullgirls, I just I'm just like terrible um, yeah. because it's just not something I really learned. But I felt that this kind of like eases you into the water pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm garbage at fighting games, but I I played a little of the tutorials and it seems it seems like a good place to start kind of, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm not like I said I'm not well versed at all, but it seems okay to start here. More so than maybe with something like you were saying like, well, I mean, Smash Brothers is kind of just like a party game really, but still technically a fighter. Yeah. You fight until But, you know. Yeah. Close what enough. is it? Final Destination, Only Fox? No items. The, the meta? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who are you guys playing as the most? Or right do you now? have one that you focus on? I'm not really there yet. I'm still kind of dabbling with everyone. Right now, my main stay is legitimate Yamcha. He's, he's really fun. <laughs> um, he, he's like kind of like a wild man, kind of like really fast attacks and stuff. He's a lot of fun to play. Um, beyond that, I haven't really like settled into because it's a uh, you know one of those three versus three fighters like Marvel versus Capcom. I haven't yeah solidified my other two characters yet. Um, you know, a bit of like Goku and Vegeta just because they seem pretty straightforward. Like yeah. I I imagine that they purposely made Goku to be like the uh, I guess the analog would be like the Ryu of uh, the game in that he's like kind of all around and. M- easier to kind of get used to yeah 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 i um i haven't played as much as walter so i also can't really say but i liked playing as goku black who funny enough i don't really even know who that character is um though we are gonna start jumping into super now thanks to us becoming obsessed with dragon ball again because of this (laughs) game um we watched world strongest last night actually oh yeah we did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which was, I believe, the, was it the first or the second of the movie? It's the second it's movie. The, Dead Zone was first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Dragon Ball City. It takes it's place been in... so long since I've seen those. Well, <laughs> this, I guess this isn't a Dragon Ball podcast yet. Uh, but I just to not go like uh, too long, but I think World's Strongest, it holds up. It was I fun. Mean, as someone who is like currently on a Dragon Ball high, I loved it. Um is World Strongest the one with um, Lord Slug? Is that or is no? That, World World um, Strongest is like the one that's kind of like standalone. I think one of the problems with all the movies is they all like try to make it, it's like okay, this is about Goku's dad. This is about the first Super Saiyan. This is right. about um, so this is this is about Trunks in the future. Everything has to be connected. Um, yeah. World Strongest it was like about like the guy who is like he was like a, a biotechnical. Scientist. Scientist thing. He had his, like, brain in a jar and wanted to basically... Oh, yeah. He he at first wanted Roshi's body because he had been, like, trapped 50 years ago. And back then, Roshi was known as, like, the most powerful. But then he's like, oh, no, I need Goku's body instead. So it's, it's, like, completely disconnected from everything else. And I think that made it better. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now I'm looking in the World Slug movie. The Lord Slug movie is called Lord Slug. So yeah. Um, but no, it's okay. uh, after it's- a while, they just ha- after a while they just had the villain's name. 
Dr. Wheelow, that's right. Dr. Wheelow, yeah. Dr. Wheelow. And um, okay. yeah, he was basically like a, um, a mech, a brain in a mech. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's just kind of really straightforward. I mean, n- no recurring, I mean, no one from this, introduced in this movie ever comes back. So Right. Well, um, I wholeheartedly recommend that you guys catch up on Super. I'm, um, I'm in the current arc right now, but I'm a good bit behind. I'm about like 15 to 20 episodes behind. I'm trying to catch up, but um, yeah, when you get to the Goku Black stuff, that oh man, it's yeah, so good. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited because it's so weird when I see his attacks. I'm like, what is going on? I'm interested. So um, yeah, we will we will update, I guess, on our super adventures briefly, mm-hmm. perhaps, in the coming months. This will just become a Dragon Ball yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, despite what you all may think at this point, we did have time to uh, read a series this month, and um, uh, it was my pick, and I chose uh, the first two volumes of Vinland Saga by Makoto Yukimura. And um, I quite liked it. Um, it's, it's pretty much just a straight-up uh, historical fiction story um, based on Vikings, the Vikings that invaded England in the 11th century. And um, it does have some supernatural stuff going on, but mostly it kind of just reminded me of the more grounded sections of Berserk, I suppose, is like the closest analog I can, uh, closest similarity I can draw. Um, and yeah. Another I, manga club. Uh, <laughs> this, was, this was only a little bit less dark than Berserk, probably. Right. I mean, I, I kind of think it was a lot less dark than Berserk. Yeah, I... There wasn't, there wasn't nearly the stakes that Berserk has later on. I suppose I mean, not. And of course, also, Berserk has the thing of it being supernatural and having demons and stuff. And right, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, dark in the sense that, okay, what... Yes, it wasn't, like, horror-tinged yeah. like Berserk is, but, like... No, it's... This is, this is a bad... Still, like, pretty, you know... Pretty bad world for the most still part. A lot of murder. Yeah, it's there it's a lot rape. less like graphic though, and it's more. And there are imp- people. There's a lot more like implied stuff than. I mean, I, I guess know. there there are some panels where like people's like heads are flying. That's <laughs> true. That's true. I don't know. Everywhere. Yeah. The the art style is also a lot like softer. That's true. And, right. Yeah. Which there is are a, a big part of it. I think people people look less scary in general for the mm-hmm. most part. However. Yeah. The first few chapters, I have to say, there was a character, um, kind of a short and squat guy. He was the commander of the Frankish, oh, of this Frankish was, army. Yes. He was really Berserk-like to me. Like, mm-hmm. he kind of looked like a character you'd see in Berserk, you know? He had, like, a huge head. He kind of looked like a frog. Yeah, he, <laughs> you had a really neat design, but you don't see that for a lot of the... Like, I thought that was going to be... You would be seeing a lot of that kind of, like, exaggerated... Um, I mean, some of them are, uh, and we only read a bit of it, so maybe we'll yeah. see more of that kind of, like, uh, ridiculous um, kind of extreme um, exaggeration in yeah. the future. But at that point, he was the only person who was, like, really just kind of silly looking. But it was it was, it was a good design at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to start off on the art bit, because the, that was one of the things that I was thinking about with this, like... I really like the art overall. I think it's great. Um, it, there's a lot of detail to it. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I couldn't quite, uh, I couldn't put my finger on how I felt about this. Like, I felt like 
I like the faces, hmm. but I feel they feel weird on the bodies, if that makes any sense. Like, he, he has this, like, for one thing, um, the heads he draws, it seems to be, like, a bit more like a, the oval, like, the kind of, like, oval slash, like, kind of a rounded rectangle nature of the faces they all tend to have, besides the frog-looking f- fellow. Um <laughs> Right. Like, very tall faces, and, like, a lot of, kind of blank in the sense of, I don't, I don't know how to put my finger on it. They just, sometimes the heads look weird on the bodies. Well, I do, now that you mentioned it, I do remember maybe, I think it happened the most with Thorfinn, maybe, because I seem to remember at least one or two panels where it kind of looked like his head was too big. <laughs> right, I, I'm not, I'm not I'm sure not... what, uh... Like I said, I'm, I'm not arti- I'm not articulating it well because other. Don't get me wrong; it, it's really good. Um, uh, y- uh, Makoto Yukimura is the uh, writer and artist, and extremely talented. It, it looks yeah. fantastic. It's it's really just a very minor quibble of mine. Right. Yeah, and it seems very now. I'm not an expert on this time period per se, but it also seems like. The armor and such and the ships look pretty accurate, and perhaps even the right. dwellings. I mean, it's it's believable, at least. Um, there aren't too many things where you really have to suspend your disbelief, though there are, like, kind of touches of supernatural stuff, like the one guy. There's a character that works for um, Askeladd, who is this kind of mercenary captain. Um, and he he's a berserker who, you know goes crazy once he eats a certain type of mushroom. Well, I thought I thought that was actually a thing. Really? I'm, I'm pretty know. sure that, yeah, basically, you know, they just uh, get high on mushrooms and... Okay, yeah. I thought he changed, though, physically. I, I think it was, like, slightly dramat- dramatized, um, but... Mm, yeah. yeah, I'd go uh, back and look at that. I think he... Okay. Was... <laughs> oh, maybe he, you're right, he though. He basically maybe... goes Super Saiyan. Basically. <laughs> or, like, the K- K.O. Ken. K.O. Ken. He does a K.O. Ken yeah. times... Two, maybe. <laughs> um, we're just going to keep dropping those references. That's just going to be a thing now. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and, like, this kind of historical fiction is actually pretty rare, I feel, for anime and manga. Usually when you see anything historical, it's it's usually got the fantasy or supernatural aspect, like Berserk, or it's, like, an MMO thing where it's, like, mm-hmm. we were transported to... Uh, medieval fantasy land, like, wow. But then it's got, like, it's like a harem or something like that. Usually it's not this, like, realistic and kind of just straightforward. Well, I think a lot of it also isn't, um, usually a lot of, like, the historical manga, as far as I'm aware, uh, tends to be more um, set in Japan. There are others like that. Right. But I, th- I think because of that, a lot of it isn't exported. It isn't mm. transport uh, translated. Um and released in the U.S., you know, there are some exceptions, of course. Right. But um, I guess maybe there's the thought that, okay, well, this is more European-flavored. Yeah. Um, not flavored. I, <laughs> to, completely. Yeah. Um, it, From, it is European history. I, um, and so yeah. maybe, maybe I, the idea is that it would go over better. Better here. Yeah, I guess I should have clarified and said we don't tend to see this stuff get right. officially translated here. There could very well be more that I just don't know about. But as far as these these types of stories go, they're pretty rare to see them over here. Um, 
And it's definitely an interesting um, time period. Like, the whole, like, history, like, that uh, kind of 500-ish, 500, 600-ish years of English history um, between, like, when England was unified up until, like, you know, the, well, more than 500, you know, up through the Norman Conquest and... Yeah, which is only, up, like... Up to, like, yeah, the Hundred Years' War, you know, just all sorts of... It's like, you know, us as Americans, you know, we kind of just feel it, kind of think of England as the English. Mm-hmm. But it, it was really just like a crazy... Kind um, of a mishmash for a yeah, while. Yeah, you yeah. have your Celts, and then then you have the Norse, and then uh, the Normans, the Romans, just all sorts of people just showing up on this... Uh, large series of islands um, right. that are kind of out of the way. And it's kind of interesting to see that in this too, in Vinland Saga, just it's kind of, there's a huge focus on this kind of like a clash of culture yeah. going on. That's very interesting. And one of the main, you know, things driving the conflict, of course, um, you know, it's mostly about um, the English, you have like kind of like the disrespecting of the Dane law and all that. Right. Um, and the wars that ensued from that. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. assuming it's all going to lead up to, like, 1066, right? I mean, maybe not with these characters, because it's not... I mean, it's still 50 years, some years off. Yeah, but, it, could, it could be interesting to see if um, it uh, goes that far. I mean, I, I don't know too much about um, how far it goes. Um, me neither. In, in terms of history. Um, but yeah, because that... It was pretty, the Norman invasion was pretty much right on the tail end of um the wars with the Norse, wasn't it? Or, or were so. they like interspersed like a bit of, I I'm I'm hardly an expert on English history. Um yeah. I, I know no, I know nothing. So um <laughs> it it is interesting though how um you know you mentioned ten sixty six and and like the Norman conquest that's a little, you know, that's some like 50 years off of where we are um, in the story, but they're also um, at least like in the story, the characters are looking towards um, 1033 as right. like this time of, of, of what they kind of see as like Ragnarok coming right. um, because yeah. of like Christian influences in, in England and, um, which is right. interesting. And I, you know, that's all, that's beyond the scope of what we're talking about, but it is kind of interesting how looking toward the future is already playing such like a big part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that, that was uh, definitely interesting. I forget there's a term for there is that like belief that, um, the res the second coming would be like a thousand years after the resurrection. After, right. So it would be 1033. I think, I mean, I think it's like millennialism, but maybe that might just be like just the overall belief of the second coming. I forget. Um, But yeah. um, And kind of that, like kind of, you see this kind of mixing of cultures beginning because, okay, the Christians believe that this is going to happen in 1033 because it's a thousand years after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And whereas like the, uh, Danish, the Norse and all that, yeah. you know, it's more like there's no, they just think, oh, okay, well, you know, they think the, the uh, second coming is happening 
and well, you know, we don't believe that, but it is Ragnarok. So you, you're kind of seeing like the same kind yeah, of idea. Yeah, as, as like the kind of uh, it, that was an interesting time because this this is around the time that um, you know kind of the Germanic paganism kind of like starts to fade away, and you know they talk about that about how you know some so many of them are like converting to Christianity, and you see like just parts become assimilated in one way or the other. Um, I thought that I thought that right. was interesting. They just kind of like there's this kind of like assumption, just oh yeah, the the world's going to end in 1033, like the Christians say. They're just wrong about how. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I do really like that aspect. I guess we're kind of jumping around a bit, but I really one of my favorite characters in this was the drunken priest and yeah. his interactions with some of the characters yeah. in the in the second volume that we read. Um, yeah, yeah, they did some really good, like I guess micro level kind of clash of religious religion stuff with just the soldiers kind of just bantering about religion, like you know, could Jesus beat Thor in a you fight? know just kind of just yes. kind of silly yeah. stuff, which you're like, well, probably they they might have said stuff like that, you know, it's just like kind of like, well, our gods are way cooler, basically. Yeah. We have Valkyries that you know come down and take us to to Valhalla. Yeah, um, yeah. The, it's it's mainly a matter of you know clashing culture, and that's very interesting. Um, it, it it certainly has a depth to it um, in terms of like the larger scale conflicts. Like we've seen, we've read some stuff like uh, "Goodnight Pun Pun," um, where you know the kind of internal or like very um, personal level conflicts mm-hmm. have depth for sure. Um, but this is, I think, the first thing that we've read as a group that kind of has more of a serious, nuanced, large-scale conflict, um, right. I believe. Right, yeah. and we're just getting into now, when we stopped, of um, this uh, prince, I guess he's a prince now, Canute, um, who's based on, well, I don't know if he is or... At any rate, he's based on the real figure, King Canute, Um and I'm assuming, you know, a big part of the story will be about his rise to power and whatnot. So it's it's clearly borrowing, I don't know to what extent, you know, from real events, but it's definitely making it feel realistic and engaging. Right. It's that difficult period of history where a lot of uh a lot a lot of it we don't have um great references Sources. for. Yeah. Sources, that's the word. Yeah, because quite a few of the characters are based on historical or just kind of historical slash mythical figures, right? And then, um, and then at that time, at that time period, sometimes it's hard to tell what's what what is historical, what is mythical, right? Right, right. right. Uh, I I oh, was uh, you know I was just gonna say um I I liked uh, the plot up to where we stopped. I thought it was I thought it was you know going at a good pace. But um, if I had any complaints so far, and, you know, of course, with the caveat that we haven't read past the second volume, I don't, is that I don't really know what they're, what I was supposed to think of Thorfinn yet. I'm not really sure if, I guess I couldn't get a handle on what his personality was. Like, was he going to be a guy who would repent and realize that revenge was not good, or... I, I don't know. I'm not sure how to articulate it. I felt like 
I wasn't sure about the way they framed him. I feel like I didn't know as much about him as I did about, say, Askeladd. I feel like I knew more about him than... Uh, yeah, at times, it, at times it feels almost more like Askeladd is the main character. Right, which, you know, we talked about this being a book that has a really large scope, but it starts off with kind of this smaller scope yeah. story yeah, the, of... the uh, personal conflict between them. Of yeah. Thor, Nor- Thorfinn, and Thor's and Askeladd. Um, and yeah, it very much like in the second volume becomes more of Askeladd's story. Yeah. Um, especially with the pretty big revelation, if we're to like believe it or not, that he's um, yeah. claiming to be... Um, descended like, from... Uh, of, yeah. Arthur, of, yeah. Right. Um, Which so. I think it's pretty fair to say that I don't know if we should take that at face value. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, but... You know, this guy is not exactly... I don't know, he strikes, he strikes me as a trustworthy <laughs> fellow. <laughs> oh, right, and then you remember, oh yeah, he uh, slaughtered that village. Whoops. <laughs> Bit of a bad dude. Yeah, I thought he was framed kind of interestingly, because at first I thought, okay, he kind of feels like... Like like a bad dude that we're kind of supposed to root for, but then later on I'm like, well, you know, he's being framed as like kind of like an antagonist character, but we're seeing a lot from his point of view. So yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, the one thing that I kind of um, notice that I that I kind of felt when reading this is that you know with a lot of this kind of like darker stuff, whether it's you know fantasy, historical fiction. Um, or blurs the line. Um, I felt like there was a kind of a level of, um, or a lack thereof, of like kind of uh, letting, kind of like giving you the little like bump of the elbow. Like I feel like a lot of um, like darker yeah. fiction in like the Western, um, you know, in American written fantasy british um anything like that there's kind of like there's always this feeling of awareness that the author kind of is like yeah you know this is pretty dark isn't it even when it's good yeah um, it, whereas this this it felt just very matter of fact this, yeah. like, this is just how it is you know yeah there, it wasn't like reveling really in how dark it was yeah I, that's I true and it's pretty like i said it's pretty dark but i, I just didn't get that feel that it was like, hey, man, was wow, like, look at this. It, it was, was like, it was like, hey, guys, war is bad. Yeah. And, and it, we went, like, it, it, it didn't feel so heavy handed in the way it was dealing with, like, yeah, you can tell that Thor's, you know, had a bad experience and that he didn't want his village to be subject to war. But I felt like, I guess because they didn't really uh, dwell on it too long. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It it hardly ever feels gratuitous. That's yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly, right. Because yeah. you'll have scenes where you know they're talking about you know owning slaves and all this, and you know it seems like they're being so just like you said, matter of fact about it. You know, or there'll be scenes of rape or pillage, but it's it's never like huge drawn out scenes where it's like, okay, enough, you know? Yeah. It's Um, the sort of thing that's hard to like, you know, it's hard to describe when you get the point. Cause sometimes it's some other things you read and it's, it's matter of fact in quotes. It's like purposely drawing attention to 
how blase it is about it. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it felt it just felt pretty natural the way things unfolded and uh, progressed. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I liked that about it because I was a little worried. I was like, "Oh no, did I pick something too depressing again? Too too soon after Pun Pun and Berserk? Though those were definitely depressing in different ways." Um, but no, I mean, this didn't really depress me. I was just kind of. Uh, you know, just enjoying the story, really, and it just so happens to be kind of a grim, grim world they live in. I mean, it is it is based on medieval times, so it wasn't exactly the happiest, happiest epic. I don't know. I had a good time at medieval times when I went there in Las Vegas. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you got to eat your food with your hands. Yeah, they gave you um like flagons and like yeah. you got soup, a piece of bread, and I think a wizard would deliver. At least at the one I went to, there was a wizard as a waiter. All I'm saying, medieval times, not that bad from my experience. Yeah. But those, uh... I think Finland Saga slightly misrepresents it. They should have a medieval times style fight in Vinland Saga. That's a really good idea. They go through, like, the rings. You know, they, yeah, they I jousting. forget exactly what they would do at medieval times. But at any rate, <laughs> <laughs> I forget, I mean, I forget, like, how the jousting, quote-unquote, worked. I mean, obviously they weren't. It was just fake sword fighting, right? That's yeah, whatever. I, I'll look it up later. <laughs> yeah, I've actually never been to medieval times, so I, uh, I can't, um, I can't speak to that. Well, just know that it's your loss. I'm afraid. <laughs> it's truly as about as close as you can get to the medieval experience, probably. It's basically That's probably true. It's basically uh, Finland saga, but a little bit happier. And thus, a little bit. Thus more realistic. With more food, no shortages, no uh, group of invaders taking all of your food before winter. I don't know. There were some rowdy people when I went. <laughs> Maybe Vikings. Yeah, I have to say, the the, the second volume kind of ended on quite the downer. Because, you, you know, this t- the, there's this, you know, group you're with that you kind of start to like, I guess, in a weird way. Like, I, I liked Askeladd. I liked following him. But then his whole group just kind of murders this village and says, oh, well, you don't have to worry about starving because we're just going to kill you now. And I'm thinking, oh. That's right. These are bad Yeah, people. they're bad. <laughs> but but I, I, I kind of like, because, you know, it, it gets me, when I like a villain, it's kind of more like I just want to see them get taken down eventually, and um, I'm sure Askeladd gets what's coming to him. Um, though there are certain other villains. Eventually, for sure. You would think. You but would maybe, think. I don't know. Who knows? Right. As we know, that always happens in real life. The bad people get what's coming to them. Yeah, and he was really, I think, the main... Wow, am I, I feel like I'm forgetting someone really obvious. There was also Thorkel, but he didn't really... He was he was bad, but he was more jovial, so I kind of just didn't really... Yeah, I'm interested to see if uh, Thorkel sticks around. Like at first, he like had the vibe of like, "Hey, oh, okay, this guy's gonna die pretty yeah. early." But then he escaped death once, and then again, I I, th- I have a feeling that he's probably a uh, frequent recurring character. Yeah, he's just a thorn in their side. I thought his I thought his um his reason for joining the English was pretty funny. He just thought that if he fought the Vikings, he'd get a better fight out of it. And that was basically it, from what I understood. <laughs> and all the English- yeah, he was he was tired of being on the winning side. Yeah, yeah, he's like, this will be fun for me, guys. And, and then he had all the like fanboys among the English who were like, "Wow, this guy's so cool." It's pretty cool that he fought with a big log. I mean, I'm pretty. Sh- I think 
Well, I don't know if it, I don't think it was his main weapon. He just so happened to be fighting with it when they first saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I'd say I'm. It's another one I keep like adding to my list because we like pick you know certain things and it's like oh I got to read more of that because mm-hmm. I'd love to read more of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really want to know what happens next. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could read a real book and figure out what happened in history, but that sounds but really th- lame. This is super fun. Why would you? Why would you want to read about it when you yeah. can see Thorkel with his cool bandana? Yeah, that wasn't um, that wasn't in any textbooks I read. Fighting so. with a tree trunk. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where I I'm okay uh, maybe setting it to the side for a bit, but definitely if I you know have some downtime and forget about the massive uh, pile of books I already have and you know, have a little extra cash, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, return to it, I think. Any other uh, closing thoughts for either of you? I think we said it all. I think uh, we covered uh, all of our pros and cons with it. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely came out enjoying it a lot more than I expected to because my, I guess my judging of the cover was that it seemed... Not the actual cover, but, you know, it, it seemed a little dry, generic maybe, or yeah, just like, yeah, not, it was hard to, I didn't think that there would be much of a hook. Sure. But gotcha, there, there yeah. are definitely hooks, you know, there are a lot of hooks. It, it grabbed me and it, it's a pretty brisk read. Yeah. yeah. At first, uh, you know, we uh, did two volumes of the ones that are released in like the kind of combined yeah. formats of the equivalent of what it's would pretty, normally be like four volumes, but yeah, it just kind of plowed through. It's it. um, it's also really well uh, written, translated. It was really mm. easy to read. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that made it easier to read because it was just kind of really natural sounding. I mean, of course, people were given kind of speech patterns that makes you think of medieval times. But uh, gosh, there I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it was um. I think I think I agree a little bit with you, Zach. I mean, I wasn't really worried that it was going to be super, I guess, kind of a slog. But yeah, I was thinking kind of before I sat down with it, I'm like, I hope they, I hope this isn't too dry, or it's just kind of a really kind of rigid, just historical story. But no, it's it's definitely got good character work and good writing, so I recommend. Absolutely, full yeah, recommendation definitely. from me as well. Um. Uh- Next month, we're going to be uh, reading the first volume of The Drops of God. Uh, this was an interesting uh, manga series um, that is about wine and like wine connoisseurs. Um, it is by uh, Tadashi Agi and Shu Okimoto. Um, right now, unfortunately, there's only um, five volumes worth uh, that have been released in the U.S. um, by, I believe, Vertical is the publisher. Um, And they're kind of that oversized uh, format, as we've talked about. But there's a weird time skip, and then they stop... um, Publishing them? They they stop publishing it. And so, unfortunately, there's not a... The entire thing isn't out, but it certainly sounds like an interesting uh, premise. We're going to go through the uh, first volume of that, um, see what we think about it and we'll be back to talk with you guys about that next month so 
have a couple of bottles of wine to uh, accompany it if you're into that sort of thing. A couple bottles. A couple bottles. While you listen to a half hour over the over the span of the month. Oh, I thought I thought you meant while as, you're listening to our. No, as you read and enjoy uh, the drops of God in preparation to hear us talk about it. All right, all right. Oof. Yeah, and if you you know any listeners have any good wine recommendations to throw out at us, hit us up on. Oh yeah, on Twitter or whatever. I'm I'm not very good at wine, so yeah. I, I Japanese always wine. need a little help. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll oh. actually actually I believe that uh, <laughs> it begins talking about like uh, European European. Wines. Oh okay, yeah. All right, cool. So I uh, when I was in Japan over the summer, I went to a winery Ooh. there, and it was it was fun. It was interesting. I got a um, white wine that was infused with matcha and brought that back oh, home. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, because I I really only I mean the the alcoholic beverages you hear about from Japan are sake and, and I guess Kirin, Ichiban stuff, you know, beer, mm-hmm. uh, not wine. So that's interesting. All right. Uh, so we'll take a brief break um, and then be back to talk about the past month in Weekly Shonen Jump. So we'll talk to you guys then. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, Dan. Welcome back. We're at the uh, second part of the show, which, as loyal listeners would know, is uh, <laughs> dedicated to uh, talking about the past month in Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, just a selection of some of the series that we thought were worth talking about. Um Notably, there were uh, two jump starts in this uh, first month of the year. Um, we had Boza Beats and Act Age, two very different ones. Um, we'll start with uh, Boza Beats, um, which is kind of more, um, I would say probably more traditional, like, shonen action kind of fair, um, yeah. as, like, kind of some echoes of, like, Bleach or something like that, um, the, the kind of... Uh, Spirits are restless. Like a Yu Yu, kind of like Yu Hakusho. Yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach kind of thing. And actually, I got a very specific, weird Trigon vibe from it because there was one scene where, in the thing of the first chapter, the main guy, or the, I forget his name, but he's, he's basically the mentor of the main character, uh, Tamaki, um, takes out a huge gun from like a, I, forget, I think he had like a package. Case, yeah. Of, yeah, on his back, or yeah, right, a beefcase, and it just reminds me of. Anyone who's seen Trigun, that um, Nicholas D. Wolfwood had this carries this cross on his back, and uh, he's a traveling priest, and it's actually like a huge uh, thing that holds a ton of guns and stuff. Oh yeah. Um. So that was kind of cool. Um, other than that, I wasn't super crazy about it. I guess it's just it's just pretty generic fare uh, so far. Um, though it is very early on, but yeah, I felt it was mostly unremarkable. It's very spectacle-driven, you know, it's all about things looking cool and, um, you know, big super-powered things. It's very Bleach-esque in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And And, and that's probably the best thing that it has going for it. Like, when the art is on, it's pretty freaking good. 
Um, at the same time, I do think that there were some moments where the storytelling wasn't very clear. Like some of the, some of the action was a bit like muddled. Yeah. I felt. Um, I felt like there were a lot of really small panels. Was that just me, or maybe that was just this past chapter? Maybe. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think yeah, I, th- I think that might have been part of the problem. I felt like maybe there was maybe too much going on, not in panels, but like on a page, that he had just maybe just too many little scenes happening, so he had to squish some stuff. Yeah, I, I just like I said, I if it continues, maybe I'll can I'll keep on reading it. Um, but it's not the sort of thing that I'm clamoring to come back. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like different enough. Um, which is fine, you know, I, I like my more generic stuff from time to time, but uh, I just wouldn't feel either way about this one Yeah, staying or leaving. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought, I was kind of hoping that the guy introducing the first chapter would be the main character, because he was a little more world-weary. Right. But then I thought, oh, right, and as soon as they introduced this young kid, I said, this is, this is Shonen, right? The wolf boy. <laughs> yeah. So he's kind of like Naruto, too, right? Because he's, well, I mean, Naruto is the spirit. Yeah, but, kind of but, similar in that sense. But not, yeah. But, so, I think we can all agree, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's like, it's perfectly it's fine. pretty middle of the road, which is... Okay, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that's like all you can really ask for with a like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, manga that's not just getting started. Not everything needs to be like knocked a knock out of the park, but at the same time, I can't really recommend it yeah. per se. But which is why, if it can, if it got picked up, I'd probably continue with yeah. it because lots of stuff that I've ended up liking, you know, kind of starts off that way. Yeah, just exactly. Kind of, yeah, there, there's certainly room for growth. It's. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't think it's like doomed to. Um, just be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, a little bit different was we had uh, this one called Act Age, and this was quite different from a lot of uh, what shows up in Weekly Shonen Jump. I think uh, it's. I, I don't know if it's technically if it would be classified as shonen. I, uh, I know some. I mean, it is. It's aimed okay. at young boys. I assume it's okay. shonen. I mean, though. I, I, are... I sometimes feel that Weekly Shonen Jump takes on more of a. It, it just kind of, in the U.S., it's, it's more it, of just like a manga anthology. anthology. Yeah, you're right. I get I get you. Um, uh, Cause, yeah, because... Yeah, it's kind of like a Lycopene. I don't think Lycopene was... <laughs> running Shonen. Shonen. Yeah. I, I actually don't know. I'd have yeah. to actually look that up. I, I could entirely be wrong. But so Act Age is uh, about a uh, young girl actor um, who, you know, provides for her younger brother and sister... It's brother and a sister, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's certainly different, you know. I, I always feel kind of bad because I, I'm i always like, you know, oh, you know, I kind of want to see something different. I don't want to see the same generic stuff with the uh, jump starts and all that. Then it happens, I'm just kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> I, I was not a big fan of Act Age. It was like, I like the idea of having a comic that is based around acting a bit of a different idea for what we see in here normally, but I just felt in pretty much every way the execution was a bit lackluster to right. me. But yeah, it, I believe um, from some uh, early pre-show chatter, Zach, you might have thought differently. Oh, I, yeah, I'm going to be the dissenter here. Okay. Um, Go for it. I actually like this 
a considerable amount. And I think part of it really has to do with just the fact that it is very different and I am attracted to that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I want this to get picked up just so that the book has a little bit more genre diversity. I get that fun. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I also was a pretty big fan of the art. Um, really? It wasn't always great art. Like it, in t- at times it felt like very scratchy and like not fully formed, but I, there's just something about the style that I, I really enjoyed. Um, I, yeah, I don't think Walter and I didn't really enjoy the art that much. Not to be like of speaking. No, I mean that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean art um, is clearly a subjective. Right. Um, thing. It just felt well, a bit, yeah. a bit uh, generic to me, and I it, don't know. It, it is a little generic, but there's something about the. Sometimes the characters are drawn with just these like very like minimalist line usage. Like it's almost kind of like those drawings that you see where someone draws with just a single unbroken line, you know, and it's very, Hmm. if you, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, like, or if you've seen someone like what that looks like, but yeah, there's just this like very minimalistic um, style in some of the panels that I, that like really struck me as kind of um, memorable and just kind of like stark and, it contrasts well with some of the fuller, like more inked panels. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just kind of, and I do, I do like the concept, the like method acting as, you know, this self-destructive, um, force in a person's life. I don't know. I thought it was a cool take. My thing was that like, okay, I, I myself have never like, I was in uh, a musical, but beyond that, like I wasn't like involved in uh, drama in any way in like high school or undergrad or anything like that. So you know, I can't claim to be an expert on this. Um, and maybe I'm maybe um, Matsuki or Usazaki, um, the creators of this. Maybe they maybe they have been actors, and I'm just completely off base here. But it feels to me like it just has this feel of it's more um, someone who thought, oh, isn't this kind of cool? And then has doesn't really have the experience with it and doesn't really, I don't know. This, this I, sounds... I think I totally agree with that. Like, I think you're okay. right. I think you're right. I think it's more just like this is less grounded in realism than this is like a Right. This is a cool idea that I can build a story yeah. on, which in a, that's fair. On, yeah. is very shown it, you know. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's exactly like a sports manga where she has like an ability that lets yes. her. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, you, you know, it's it. That's basically what it is. However, I guess this is kind of nitpicky when it comes to like, uh, you know, suspension of disbelief, uh, or not really, not really sure what I'm getting at with that. But basically, my point is that. You know, she describes method acting, or the author, you know, the author describes method acting, and I thought, that is not what method acting is, <laughs> what she does. I mean, she's basically recalling memories, right? Right. Um, and I'm like, this isn't... like it's not method, so much becoming a character. Method acting is what Robert De Niro did for Taxi Driver, where he drove a taxi for months and months. Like, Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess that kind of... I guess 
like normally I might overlook something like that before, before a manga that's about acting. I was a little bit kind of just okay, whatever. I get what you're saying, but that's not really <laughs> that. That feels like a very shonen jump thing to do, though. <laughs> and like I mean, to take this thing that's like to tell you this thing and speak about it like so. Um, well, like, as we'll talk about probably with this, like, one shot that we're going to get to eventually. But take a thing and then just amp it up to the, the nth degree and then, like, have no shame about it, you know? That's true. I mean, after, after all, One Piece has very little to do with pirates <laughs> at this point. There are, like, maybe a couple... There's one character in One Piece that looks like a pirate. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And his name is Blackbeard. I mean, uh, yeah. appropriately enough. But uh, yeah, speaking of that one shot, I guess it's uh, right now, after the end of uh, Nisekoi, um, it's be- maybe, a, I don't know if it's become a recurring thing, we'll see maybe next year, if there's going to be another one shot by uh, Naoshi Komi. Last year, um, I forget the name of it, but there was that god-awful one about the like um, oh, woman the who had so many heartbeats, that was awful. And uh, mm. this month we get, um, I believe it was Eno, Eno Genten, something like that. It was a, um, it was a story about esports. Yep. How did you guys feel about that? It was worse. It was even. It was worse than that thing. The other one. It was so bad. At least, <laughs> at least the the heartbeat thing was kind of funny. At least it was a story. Right. It was like somewhat. <laughs> it was somewhat creative and that's really pushing it but this was just the most like i'm sorry but it was just hacky like, it, it, was, it was really it was really bad yeah. um, <laughs> awful i think our, our fellow uh, multiversity contributor um ken put it that it, it basically read like a psa just esports exist um right <laughs> and that's about it that's pretty funny <laughs> um it, it was just I, it felt extremely uninspired. I legitimately think, um, what it made me think of, um, uh, is how you'll have, um, like Harley Davidson or defense contractors pay Marvel to like make comics that are then like released for free or something like that to advertise a thing. Um, like I, I really feel, I, I'm not sure if, uh, maybe, um, Comey really just did this out of the love of esports or whatever, but it felt like it just a paid advertisement because it had that little spiel at the beginning, you know, or I forget if it's at the beginning, but at some point it about how a lot. esports are, yeah, I guess multiple times about how esports are uh, just getting started here in Japan. And it, and it like kind of tied in with there's a, or there was, um, was it? Please watch the Overwatch it, League streaming on Twitch. Well, wasn't, wasn't it yeah. for, uh, wasn't it for, EVO Japan. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just that's the first thing that came to mind. Like I'm I'm honest I'm honestly wondering if this was like a paid advertisement comic. It felt like it. If if only they were professional Dragon Ball Fighters players, then oh, yeah. now that's really legit. Behind it. Yeah. If, I, if this had come out after the release of Fighters, I'd be like, yes. If this I, is good now. What I want is an Akira Toriyama written and drawn. Dragon yeah. Ball comic where the Dragon Ball f- characters are playing fighters. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it can teach you all the good combos. 
Yeah. Show now you, all, that show you all the for. inputs. You know, we're not too far away from that sort of thing. Are you all familiar with the the comic that's like one of those, um, I forget what the genre is called, but it's in, essentially, you know, where you're a normal person and you get sent into a fantasy world. Oh, this I forget MMO. what the name of the genre oh, it's is um, called. Um, yeah, I forget too. I know what you're saying. But well. there's one where a, a some someone gets turned into Yamcha, basically. <laughs> What? That rules. <laughs> I don't know how many chapters there have been, but it's like an official licensed Dragon Ball tangential manga. And oh, man. oh, is that where all is that where all the Lord Yamcha memes come from? Um, I feel I'm like I've been sure. I've been seeing people like saying Lord Yamcha a lot. I don't know if that comes from <laughs> maybe that's from called, like unabridged or one of those youtube things maybe but yeah it's called dragon ball side story the case of being reincarnated as yamcha <laughs> all right that's pretty awesome <laughs> i take back oh, what man. i take back what i said about drops of god that's actually the next manga club <laughs> oh man you know what <laughs> um anyway in summary i i would say Ino Gintan is not even shallow it is it is uh just Dreadful. I think that's what Nietzsche would have said if he'd read that. It, Sorry, I yeah. thought you were making a new... <laughs> I, I was making a joke about that, but... Yeah, it, it was dreadful. It it felt like a waste of my time. Yeah, which is one what... of the worst things I can say about anything I read. Yeah, it, it, it did not respect my time, you know, as a shonen manga reader. My discerning, <laughs> my discerning taste. Right. Exactly. Should we talk about better stuff? Yes, much better stuff. <laughs> Promise Neverland. What a it's it's been moving at quite a clip lately. Um, I, like, yeah, <laughs> just just payoff and revelation after one another. Just all, yeah. First of all, one of my favorite themes in any kind of fiction is hunting people. That sounds bad, but okay. Wow, <laughs> um, like you know. My, uh, maybe I brought this up on a previous episode, but one of the, the current arc where they're in, uh, Goldie Pond and the demons are hunting the kids who have been hiding there, um, it reminds me of, um, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. There's like a little subplot with, um, rich people, like, hunting the homeless in, like, uh, mm-hmm. they're, like, wearing, like, fox hunting uniforms. Or, of course, the classic, The Most Dangerous Game. Um, the coolest short story ever. Basically. <laughs> um, it's just like, it, it, there's a, a lot of like interesting, weird stuff you can do with that already weird theme. And yeah. So when I, I think that, uh, this little sub story has been quite interesting. And just as of, uh, today's chapter, um, as we record this, um, we had uh, our first, I believe, our first uh, recorded interaction of uh, Miner- Minerva. William Minerva, yeah. William mm-hmm. Minerva. Yeah. Only now just... he has a different, we know his real name now. Um, it was like Jake, oh crap, I forget, I should have written it down. Hello, he'll always be William Minerva to me. That was, yeah, <laughs> he just used it as an alias because he was being, it said he was being hunted down because I think he, his family might have been part of the pact they made with the demons. And he's basically acting against the pact. Acting against it, right, by offering people, by creating this kind of sanctuary and helping people escape. 
James yes. Rattree is his real name. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which I gotta say, he kind of looks like Norman. So that's that's just my crackpot theory I'm throwing out there that they're gonna introduce time travel. <laughs> oh man, that would be huge. Um, I, I'm, I'm not serious about that. <laughs> just these, yeah. The, just these last few chapters, though, like moving at such a quick pace, you know, introducing this other new character, Lucas, who was friends with, um, I, I can't remember, but, they, they just call him the man, the nameless yeah. teacher, how he's yeah. uh, represented in the, in the yeah. um, like, the little uh, previously in yeah. Thomas Neverland his, thing. His name is probably um, going to be significant, maybe. Yeah. I mean, just the nature of this series so far. I mean, pretty much every single chapter ends on a cliffhanger, even more so than most shonen series do because there's the whole mystery aspect to it 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 is kind of interesting this is just like pinging my naruto senses but um there's like a big thing theme later on like in naruto of kind of these um like the general generational aspect of these like sort of protagonistic trinities essentially and it kind of seems like we're moving towards something like that, where like you have the the man who's kind of like an older analog of Ray and Lucas, who seems very Norman esque too. Um, yeah. And then you know we're just like one away from having an Emma analog there, and then you have this kind of like older version of the group. Yeah, that could um, be interesting. Just that that kind of reminds me of that. So that's my uh, that's my good Naruto boy talk of the month. <laughs> Um, well done. Um, I I am interested. Uh, so of course the main the most pressing thing at this point is how do they escape from Goldie Pond? Uh, how do they uh, best the demons who are hunting them? But this obviously sets up you know a lot for the future about how they can the other you know they had found this. Uh, elevator that supposedly could have taken them to the human world, but has since been shut down. But there are other ways to the human world back at all the different uh, farms. Right. The, well, the high-grade farms. Yeah, the high-grade ones, including where our main characters came from. Yes. Um, so that kind of opens up a reason to go back pretty early. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if perhaps they will first um, go to maybe one of the other ones before going straight back there. There's a, there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, interesting ways this could go from here for sure, um, and there's the talk about the what was it the seven walls? Yeah, Just a lot of a lot a of MacGuffin. yeah a, a lot of um kind of laying out a framework of where to go because it did kind of feel like until now there was kind of like this feeling of okay they're going to be lost for a little while but then what? Right. And now I think just in the span of a single chapter, we've got like a, in, in a lot um, that could be built on. It, it, it's really exciting. I, yeah. I, it's just continues to be one of the best, if not the best uh, series in yeah. the uh, magazine right now. Can I also say that I really love his demons? Oh, yeah. I really like those designs. I don't remember if we mentioned them last time, but... Um, uh, the one with there's, the hat. Yeah, there's the main guy. I forget. I think his name is... Luvis, yes, Luvis. He's a uh, he's like the main. He is the most dangerous game hunter. I I don't know who the guy was in the most dangerous game who was hunting. Basically, he's that guy though, and he kind of singles out Emma because 
he sees her as an actual threat and he I think actually wants her to attack him because that makes for a more interesting hunt. So I'm really liking this guy. He also has a really cute uh, kind of monkey sidekick kind of thing. I don't know if it's a demon, but it's a cute little animal, which somehow works with this kind of grotesque looking demon. Uh, he's also got like a top hat or something. I don't know. Anyway, he looks cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, as do the most demon of designs the, are always... As do most of the demons. Um... Yeah, it's it's still good, guys. It's still really good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, another uh, series I think has been keeping up uh, quality. We've talked about it as ebbs and flows, but I think it's been good lately. Has been um, Food Wars. We had the uh, conclusion this past month of one of the little sub parts of the uh, team Shokugeki um, with Arena and Momo. Um, and as we've as we've mentioned before, one of the problems with uh, food wars is you can kind of sometimes guess where things are going, who's going to win each match, and all that. Um, but I felt this this one it was harder to kind of uh, get a feel for at first. It kept me guessing a bit more. Um, as it, and I liked in particular uh, Momo's been a fun character and we had this kind of like little background of her how she was like the expert and cute yes um she had been being she had been consulted by i guess businessmen who were creating cute toys and accessories and coming to her asking her what the next cute design was because she was always ahead of the curve but mm. then she went into baking and i guess kind of shunned all these people i mean sweets are like the ultimate cute thing it's true which was part of part of her. Uh, she made the uh, it was a castle, right? She made a castle, right? Yeah, she. Mm-hmm. I forget what she made when she went against um, Megumi, but um, it I thought it was some kind of apple pastry thing. Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah that's right. I think. Little Red Riding Hood, right? So the yeah, I think that's right. Did, I feel like these last few chapters have definitely um, moved things along a lot definitely. more quickly. That yeah. you're not, we're not like dragging out the tension quite as much. Yeah, and I think that's good. Yeah, for sure. It's at its weakest, I think. When uh, Food Wars in particular um, is at its weakest when things seem to just be taking a while, and I can especially be the, as right now as they're doing the whole like team approach. Yeah, like really, in, if you really step back, it's like, well, no, this is still pretty long because these are multiple like events, multiple fights, so to speak, that are happening at the same time in order. So this is still like, you know, one part of a uh, larger single confrontation. Um, right. But by moving it faster, I think it uh, hides that. It doesn't feel as long. Mm-hmm. My only issue, only uh-huh. issue with this uh, one was I was crossing my fingers, even though like, it, it feels weird because like, okay, all of, like, the female characters are, like, underage, so it should always be weird when they're sexualized in any way. But I guess, you know, even though Momo is, like, Soma and Arina is, like, uh, like an upperclassman compared to them, she's, like, young-coded, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, she looks like a child. Yeah, she's <laughs> made to look like a child. So it's really crossing my fingers that there wouldn't be, like, you know, the whole, like, 
um, clothes bursting off in a sort of, like, exploitative way with her. Well. It did happen. I knew. Hmm, yeah. I, I knew it was, like, I, I, I felt like I just may, maybe it wouldn't, but it did. And it wasn't, I, it could have been worse, I guess, but. It's the sort of thing that, like, right now, because I'm just so desensitized to it, I see it, I'm like, okay, that could have been worse. But Yeah, you're just like, that's <laughs> par for the course. <laughs> you show it to anyone else, it's like, oh, God, what? What are you reading? Yeah, yeah. Not safe for work. But, yeah. uh... I did, I did appreciate the one in this week's chapter that was the opposite of that, of, like, clothes exploding Sitting on the rabbit. That was very yeah, funny. A full I thing, think, yeah. I think my favorite one, besides the guy sitting down and his clothes flying off, which I forget who that was and when it happened, but it was so funny, was when, um, I think the first seat, Tsukasa, um, gave, uh, or presented a dish and it showed him, like, in a forest with animals. Yeah, that was, like, he uh, was, he basically had, you know, a Disney, Disney princess powers of, of attracting woodland creatures. At least that was the that was the vibe he gave off, and that was pretty great. Yeah, and I felt like it's the it's the thing that's hard to pinpoint of the balance between like the you know sexualization and the humor. Like just like uh, the week before the the Momo one, you had that still highly sexual um, with um, the I forget the name, but there's like the idol like character. She's one of the announcers. Yeah, she's she's the one who's like announcing this and. You know, she, like, tries Ariana's thing, and there's that, like, it's very, um, sexualized. They're, like, coming of, out from between her legs, and she's... And, and like, oh, between yeah, her breasts. Yeah. It was... Yeah. It, but but at the same time, like, it was funny. So it, yeah, it, didn't, I, it didn't even feel like it was really meant to titillate me. I just kind of, mm, like, laughed at it. Well, I'm sure some people were. I'm, I'm sure some people were, but I, I feel like it struck the balance better. It's always the difficult thing with this series, I think, when... It, it goes that far, it can sometimes just... You yeah. Re- it's no longer funny, and it just gets kind of it's certainly It certainly takes an amount of, uh... I don't know what... To, like, antibodies to this kind of thing. I, yeah. I don't, <laughs> Build up your tolerance. Yeah. Right. I, I would say Food Wars is probably my problematic fave, as the term is. Oh, no. Which I might have, mm-hmm. I might have, I might have said on this before, actually. Now Goodness gracious. And I think we'll uh, wrap up this month by talking about Dr. Stone. We've had, once again, another uh, flashback. Um, there's a lot of... There's been a few uh, interesting uses of that as we learn about um, <clears throat> Senku's father. Um, yep, he was an astronaut. Yeah, and particularly this village um, turns out to be named after... I think it was. I think that that was remarked upon. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think, oh, what a weird coincidence! Wasn't he in space too when the, the stonification happened? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's like how he Possi- he they possibly, spared. Yeah, yeah. The the stoning. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't uh, we haven't uh, gotten the full. Um, we're still in the middle of this little flashback arc, but it's certainly an interesting turn. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes, it, it was actually something I was kind of wondering about, about how, okay, well, you know, it makes sense. And there might have been, again, there might have been some passing remark about how maybe there were people in space who didn't suffer this. Um, so it's interesting to see that be, uh, 
followed. And actually, the thing that it made me think of was Why the Last Man, uh, in a weird way. Oh, yeah, because they were spared. Yeah, there were, there were some astronauts in space when the, that mm, yeah. event happened who, yeah. Oh, they're, that's right. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what it instantly made me think of. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't think about that specific scene, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's... Whenever there's any sort of uh, time travel or things that delay the passage of time, in the case of being like frozen in stone, you always have to take advantage to have uh, story beats like this where people are like kind of asynchronous in time, you know? Right. Like in like in Futurama, how uh, Farnsworth is like Fry's great, 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 great Grand. grandson or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's a couple hundred... So I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad they used that old that good old trope of uh, yeah I guess the, it begs the passage the of time being differently so to speak obviously it's still linear but begs the question of what happened to them I mean I guess yeah, I'm, I'm they must have had to come back to Earth yeah I'm wondering if uh, this is going to like shed a little obviously that's the big mystery of the series I'm wondering if we're going to get much more um, hints as to what that might be. Because uh, they it, they saw it as like an explosion um, of the stone. From, yeah, well, they magic saw it, yeah they saw they saw some explosion from space. Okay. So I'm not sure so if this... we'll be getting anything more hmm. uh, at this point or what. I wonder when we're gonna yeah. go back to um, uh, Taiji. Oh yeah, uh, That's his friend. That is a thing. How thought... yeah, we are just like completely off. <laughs> Away from For that. Over a year. They they um went after uh Sto- Pillar Man. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just calling him that because he reminds me of the Pillar Man from JoJo's. Um I forget his name at this point, but he was he was like a threat to them early on. Mm-hmm. Um I do think it's quickly running into one of the uh problems you can see with like a story of like this of there's instantly, there's a lot of juggling going on, a lot of things yeah. happening, a lot of questions, a lot of plot lines. And so it's it's not, it's still a pretty new series, but we're already running into this issue where, okay, these other characters who, like I thought, uh, you know, they, they were the like main characters and now they're gone and they've, right. been, they've been gone but- for... Quite a while. It is a problem for it being so new. For yeah, it to and now totally split the cast. And like now that. we're having a flashback arc, and yeah, this it feels very stream of consciousness yes, in how absolutely. the story has like progressed. Yeah, um, because you know we just fly through like from arc to arc with no real, you know, we just wrapped up this um, kind of like tournament arc yeah. that they've been building up to, and e- then it even immediately Doctor, even Doctor Stone has a tournament arc. Yeah, yep. you have to have a tournament arc. I can't and, wait for Act Age to get picked up and for them to have their tournament arc. Oh, I'm sure they would be. <laughs> the equivalent of it anyway. Um, but yeah, and then we're just jumping right into this flashback arc. Right. Um, After we already had a flashback arc two arcs ago, I think, with Senku. Oh. You know, the yeah. Momentary. yeah so. Oh, here's what Senku was up to. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Senku is the main character. For, for See, a while, I, I... Yeah, I originally thought he I wasn't. I thought... I think, though, because it's called Dr. Stone, and the, yeah. I think Ishigami, I think one of those, I think that was the name of the village. I think one of those means stone. Didn't they say it meant? So, uh, I, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I 
I guess, anyway. I mean, I say this now, but then... It's the sort of thing that I think it's, like, better that we're actually reading it um, just week to week. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe you would notice it more if you were reading, um, if you were getting, like, yeah. you know, the paperbacks or something. Yeah. You would notice, like, wow, this just seems to be going everywhere. Yeah. Whereas if you're just kind of reading as it comes out, there's less of that, uh, you're, you're less focused I, on the overall kind of Yeah, I don't know if I really, I'm not, like, super invested in the plot, and it's not one of my favorite things in Shonen Jump, but I... I always have fun reading it. I don't really... That's true. I don't really have any problems reading it week to week. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not usually reeling over what happened after... Yeah. After a chapter, but I, I like following it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, all things aside, like, the kind of world building that we're seeing in this, in this arc with the, you know, jumping back and seeing things from a different perspective and learning a little bit more about... Yeah. What's happened is is a nice yeah. change of pace from what we've had. Yeah, right. for um, sure. Right. Yeah. All right, I think uh that's the mainly what I wanted to talk about this month. Uh how about the rest of you folks? Uh, I think we hit everything. Yeah. yeah. Boruto is still very good. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, we didn't check in with the Naruto that's boy. That's all you that's all you need to know. It's still <laughs> Italian chef kiss. <laughs> And may, maybe, just maybe, next month we'll have something to say about uh, One Piece. It, it was looking well, like it was looking like the current arc was uh, winding down, but then there was like a line about, oh, it's going to be like three hours, and three hours in manga can be like uh-oh. thirty chapters. You know, so, if this was like Dress Rosa when they said it would take ten minutes and it was like ten chapters, that would be great because that was cool. I but thought it was like ten chapters. Ten, ten, ten minutes, like... ten minutes in a hundred chapters. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to defend, pick, pick, defend, uh, Dress defend Dress Rosa in every in every podcast episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. so we'll be talking, of course, about uh, the next month's worth of what we see as highlights. Maybe there are some things that you thought we should have talked about, and you know, you can yell at us in the comments as per usual. Um, Otherwise, next month uh, we'll be talking again about the Drops of God um, by Tadashi Agi and Shu Okimoto. Um, interesting sounding little manga about wine. Um, it's like Food Wars, except about drink and not as sexual. And <laughs> I don't think probably, at all. Probably more serious. So very, very little about, uh, very little uh, similar to Food Wars besides about consuming a thing and reacting to it. Pretty much. So, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, it's exactly the same. Um, Maybe you could have chosen a different... Well, I, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> I get it. All right. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye.